So the four thoughts turning the mind away from samsara, I don't want to go into detail. Well, I want it, but there's no time left. But it's um, uh, topics we have you know, explored and meditated upon. So precious human life. Yeah, so the reflection on the eight freedoms and ten endowments. But here I just want to say the reminder to remind us of the preciousness that we have actually a mind right now who is capable to do this to do this kind of thinking. Yeah? So there's I mean you are aware of all the stuff, precious human life, but that's one thing we could particularly rejoice in right now. And the other is you have access to these teachings. And here particular to the emptiness teachings. So that's also a qualification of the precious human life. This, these teachings are incredible precious. And it has, has, it has never been like this. That within minutes we can have access to the, uh, to the wisdom not only of the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, but you know, of course, emptiness teachings, they are not just found in the Tibetan Buddhist uh, tradition. I mean, you find it also in Western philosophy you know, and in quantum physics. So, and and these, uh, these teachings are available and Western minds are really ready to hear these teachings because you know, we can no, we, we, we started to question the, the appearance of an objective, solid world out there in our culture. We learn it in school. We don't take it too hard. But um, if you study physics in school, like you know, in the last classes, then you have looked into quantum physics. So... This is precious human life. The second death, really important. No? Nine-point death meditation, really taking it to our heart. Now we have access to these teachings. We have a mind which can handle this. It takes effort, yes, but it's there. And this is almost impossible to get into a place like this, where these two things are, like in the in the Buddhist cosmology, if you, you know, countless worlds, countless planets, countless living beings, and here we are on Earth, with still intact emptiness teachings, not only theoretically, but there's still a lot of people <coughs> who have direct realization of emptiness. There's, there's plenty of stream enters, enterers, plenty of uh, bodhisattva arhats available for us. And we can receive these teachings directly from them. So then the, the next karma. So karma is also connected, uh, so maybe, so you remember the teachings on karma. So, Karma is also related to ethics. 
and ethics uh, is in the exploration of emptiness is important because realization of emptiness will lead you into an identity crisis. It will mess things really up. It's not like, oh yeah, wow, there's the light or something. It's this, it's destabilizing. It, it tosses your whole world apart. It's frightening, not for everyone, but, but for many people. So if you don't have ethics, like you know, a stable habit of not harming yourself and others, if that is not in place, then if you have glimpses of emptiness, you just might fuck up your life, your relationship, your health, your psyche. But if you have you know, cultivated a certain ethical standard to move in the world, then that will bring you through that chaotic phase when things fall apart. Because you have that value, I'm not going to bleed on my partner. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to, uh, you know, destroy my livelihood because everything is empty or something like that. So the 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 ethics uh, is is very important. Yeah. yeah. Don't you think I'm connected to all this stuff before that emptiness? The understanding of that a little is the same as understanding coexistence that we are kind of coexist. Yeah, we, that's so the ethic is kind of that, that, that's that, that's part of the reasonings. It's one of the reasonings why things are empty. It, but but the the thing is that most people who talk about interbeing or interconnectedness. Uh, they have, from the Pazankika, Madhyamika point of view, uh, a mistaken understanding. But it's right. Yeah. Um, so, so ethics is important. And ethics is also important because part of the direct realization of emptiness or getting there is to reduce inner conflicts, inner psychic conflicts. So as much as healing possible, yeah, and as much as you know, when we act in harmful ways, it creates tension in us. You know, it, so it's very difficult to have a good meditation after a day of li uh, lying and cheating, because lying and cheating creates an inner tension. So and and. And that takes away conscious energy for what is important. So, and an ethical lifestyle and aligning yourself with your deepest values will will make you f feel good. There will be less inattention, which is then, which then makes it possible to go deeply into meditation. Even for the practice of shamatha, the foundation is. Uh, is a good livelihood. Not as a, not of course aiming for perfection, that's impossible, but uh, like having it as a compass in your life, a direction in your life. So then you have 
with bodhicitta and ethics, you have a kind of frame you can fall back into, which then carries you through the possible confusion of starting to see things are empty, and I am empty, just of habit. So you are not getting, you you will not become someone like Charles Manson. There is that story, just a short. There is a story about from about one Karnapa or something. He's speaking and he's holding a child, a dead child, in his arm, maybe another. And somebody says to him, well, but why are you so sad about this? Everything is an illusion. Mm-hmm. Yes, but death, uh, a dead child is a very difficult illusion. Yes, right. So, and that's the danger that this, uh, this person who says, you know, it's just an illusion. So that is an expression of a misunderstanding of emptiness. Yeah. Uh, so, the last uh, part of the kind of foundation practice um, I want to mention is connected with uh, this, what I just said before, this uh, as much as possible work towards healing, as much as possible work towards healthy, a healthy structure in ego strengths. Now ego not in the sense uh, of a independent self, but as a like as a set of coping healthy coping strategies. Self compassion, self kindness, harmlessness towards yourself and others. Yeah. Uh, part of that is psychotherapy. Yeah. Not as no most psycho psycho schools wouldn't lead into liberation, but no they reduce inattention. They they connect you with more joy, you know, with you know, less conflicts uh, within your psyche. So that would be foundational work. So whatever you can do, you know, whatever methods, you know, body work, shadow work, psychotherapy, uh, developing healthy habits of eating, of exercising, of being able to take care of your life, having your livelihood, you know, being able to relate to others, being in relationships, all that is foundational work. I mean, those of you who have children, you will never come to that point through the emptiness teaching saying, I don't care about my children, they don't exist. <laughs> yeah? So you are kind of in a good place there. So a bit of a warning was there also. Uh, as one also give, should give this warning in shamatha practice, this is a rough path for most. So if we are in this for well-being, then take, get a massage. Don't meditate on emptiness. 
that's much more efficient and uh, even a massage can bring up shit. So. <laughs> then go for Karlsberg. Uh, a, a, a serious uh, meditation on emptiness combined with shamatha will bring up shit and will bring you in, in into an identity crisis. I mean, really questioning the the very core on how you perceive this moment. And people get lost. People get lost in premature realization of emptiness. Their psyche is not stable enough to cope with it in a good way. They don't have enough capacity to relate to others in a healthy way. They don't have a moral code which protects them through that kind of moment of your know, of kind of confusion. What is real? What is not real? Who am I? Yeah? I? I don't know who am I. I don't know what this is. But I'm not going to harm anyone because I set that in place. This is important. That's why in the Buddhist, uh, so in the in the progressive path of the Buddhist teachings, you know, the Lam Rim, uh, so much emphasis is is put into uh, the foundational work. It has it ha it's really it really makes sense. And some people who have like a kind of more who have a, like an experience into, most of the time it's the experience into selflessness, into anatta. Uh, if that kind of happens uh, outside, of a, outside of a tradition, outside of a safe container, it's very difficult for some people to have experiences like that. They, they think they, get, they, are, they are crazy. So much fear. So much confusion. Also, you need to protect yourself from the demon of meaninglessness. Because the, the insight into, a kind of a mistaken insight into emptiness can lead into, it's all like an illusion, there's no meaning, Meaning is a construction, obviously. So if you see that, that it is made up, meaning, then you might think, okay, I don't make it up. There's no meaning. And then that mix, if that mixes with some you know, kind of depressive uh, hopelessness, so they're bodhicitta. Yes, there is meaning. It's constructed, but it works. <laughs> so th to say that it is constructed does not mean it does not exist, or it's mean it's uh, it's uh, it's nothing. So then uh, the last uh, point here is uh, when they talk in the tradition about merit. Yeah, so that's one of the foundational practices, the accumulation of merit. Probably the, the ones who have received traditional teachings, you, ha you, you have heard this, that word. So it's a bit difficult to you know, handle 
that word or what is it? You know, and it's misunderstood most of the time. You know, as if you, we can collect some points and, you know, like, um, it, it's, it, it hooks into our perfectionism and into our self-improvement projects. And yeah, so, so it's a bit difficult. But you know, one uh, uh, translation I like is, uh, it does not cover the whole thing, but uh, is Rapriz, he uses sometimes vitality for merit. So merit is what is, is like um, is doing things which raise which raise your vitality, which reduce internal conflicts, and which raise your joy, your vitality. So, so for example, one of the practices to accumulate merits is to make offerings. So if you do it in a right way, not in a kind of Oh, I'm uh, no. There's this kind of tight-ass Buddhism, like which is like where it's more about the form and you know and fear and doing it right, and uh, so that's there's no merit in that at all. Yeah, but if you do it in a in a joyful way, in a playful way, uh, the practice of you know filling the water bowls, lighting candles, and it will lift up your your spirit. It will lift up your energy. It will lift up your joy. It will lift up your vitality. So, and uh, uh, some, you know, in the uh, in in a lot of teachings I received, uh, they say that that could be really for for quite some time our emphasis. You know, the inner healing, sometimes also called purification. But it's not, it's not so helpful that word. So it's like the inner healing and the lifting up of vitality of joy. They say uh, in the in the teachings that if you have done that groundwork, the inner healing, living a a kind of life you are proud of because you are aligned with your deepest values, and doing things which are which are joyful, which increase your joy, your generosity, that, that that is very, very important. And more you have of that, stronger the, the impact of the emptiness teachings will be. So someone might listen to you know, this, uh, this teachings on the ninth chapter for like 10, 15 years. And again and again and again and nothing clicks, yeah. And then they would say, "Okay, do some healing work, do some accumulation of merit, and then come back." Then you listen to the same words again, but it will fall into a fertile field. By the way, according to Lama Sopa Rinpoche, the best way to accumulate merit is to listen to emptiness teachings. Not, no, the second best. The best is to teach it. <laughs> it's obvious, yeah, because there's so much joy in it, yeah, and it lifts your energy and your hope. And, and you only get the second best. Yeah. You get the second best, and I get the best. 
which is good because more I get, more I can share. Yeah? So you, you should support the teacher in that. <laughs> Deeper the realization of the teacher is, deeper your realization will be. So that's, I think, I want to say about foundational work. So this was about the first verse, particularly about all these branches of the doctrine. So what are the branches of the doctrine? What is the foundational work? What is... What, is, uh, what can we do on the side of preparation so that when we listen to these teachings, they can, they can actually impact us and they can make a difference? Well, that's like what they say in the Tibetan tradition. Some people who are ready, who have done the foundational work, they go to an to a emptiness master, they get 10 minutes of teachings, that's it. They get it. Because they have, they have made the field of their mind fertile. So, any questions, comments about what I said so far? Yes? Uh, would, uh, would you like to say something about the uh, that's uh, right. I forgot that. The fourth sort is uh, that's the second scope in in the Lamrim, where it's about renunciation, where you reflect on on the on on the dissatisfactoriness of the samsaric mind. Um, so this is connected with start starting to see why we suffer and starting to understand the cause of that suffering and starting to see there's an antidote, so the Four Noble Truths, as the cause of suffering and so on. Yeah. So this is challenging, this is very challenging. Pema Shetron calls it the heartbreak with samsara. First, it needs to come with you admitting that your life is difficult. You know, stop to pretend. Stop, prete stop to pretend that things are fine. They are not. And not only around you, inside of you. So, and that's difficult for us. Because, uh, you know, that would mean that... Um, yeah, it can mean many things, but uh, yeah, it's difficult. We, you know, we like to, we like to uh, pretend to ourselves and others that we have things somehow under control. Somehow we made it, yeah. but we didn't. It's a, it's a mess, and it will never work out. So heartbreak with samsara is a difficult thing. And it's difficult in our culture because we are brainwashed into uh, that is, if you know, if you have a flat and you have a job and, and so on, uh, and then you made it. And if you can buy an iPhone, then you are even top. So to, 
so this satisfaction, the first, the first noble truth, dukkha, yeah, to 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 realize and to admit dukkha, and, and to to accept it, it's difficult, but it's necessary because otherwise, otherwise we will continue to uh, to seek uh, fulfillment in places where there is no fulfillment. We need to give up on that. Yeah? Whatever, whatever you know, so if you are honest and you look into yourself and how you live your life and what you do, there is still a lot of hope that the next vacation will be wonderful. And it's not going to happen. Isn't it sometimes wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then for maybe. I mean, it, it rarely happens. Maybe there's there's one good day there, yeah? I mean, a day where you don't have a sunburn, you know, and, and you find the good restaurant. And, and so, but uh, from the Buddhist point of view, that even that, even the good day is in the nature of, of suffering because it does not last. It's not reliable. So then you have a good day. Okay, let's say there are good days. I doubt that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think when someone says I have a good day, that's, that, that's just a lack of awareness. But there is beauty. There, of course, there is beauty. Yes. And laughter. Yes. <laughs> All these things are there, but they come and go. So, uh, from this point of view, we would use a good days and laughter to increase our vitality, to soak it in, and to use to use it in a good way, but not to put our cards onto it as if it is something which can quench our thirst, which which it will not. So this is hard to admit. It's hard to give up that hope. Something in us is still seeking. Ah, it's you know moving to Manu, divorce, finding someone. So there is that seeking mind in us, which is looking for for a safe place where it's not being found. And to give up on that, it's difficult. Because what that also means is you have to admit that you, you, you have wasted most of your life. Not in the sense that it was useless to get an education and so, so on. In the sense, if there was a hope through the education to get somewhere where it is better, then you wasted your time because it sucks everywhere <laughs> with education or without education. So, fortunately, the Buddha didn't stop there. yeah. But he said, hey, there is a safe place. There is something which will quench your thirst forever. Forever, always. What is that? The realization of emptiness together with bodhicitta. But I wonder, isn't that to have um, 
to include both UT and platinum, both terry and uh, softness and to encompass uh, all the parts. Isn't that part of the emptiness? Encompass. Yeah, kind of include to be with all the others. Yes, but in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so the the problem is when you are with terror and beauty in a way, in in a, in, in a confused way, meaning there is someone here and there is yeah. something real out there, which is beautiful. So that's the problem. The beauty is not the problem. The terror is not the problem. It's how, how we relate to it, how we see it. Yeah, the, the separateness between... Yes, the, yeah, the, yes. Yeah. But being in joy and being in uh, wonder about also the beauties of life, mm -hmm. but really being there, not... Uh, you know, yeah. reminding me of but there is the terror too. For, but being there is then yeah, but, but but from this uh, from this point of view, being there is only possible with the realization of emptiness. Yeah. Otherwise you are not there. Otherwise you are in confusion. Yes, yeah. 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 So there is this kind of glimpses into you know, there's different many different kind of levels and depth of the realization of emptiness and we can have this kind of glimpses you no know, like you know, when people would say i you know i was one with everything or i dissolved into the landscape or something so this is a bit of a taste or a glimpse yeah, yeah. of but i mean for example when you just listen to 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 a raindrop yeah when you just see a, a moment of, of joy in yeah there's a confused way to do that and a and a and a wise way yeah and the confused way would be uh to um to grasp at that experience at that good experience as something which can give you the end of seeking everlasting contentment and then if it's a raindrop maybe then you become sad if there's no rain and you're waiting for the raindrops because you—that's what you need for, for you know, having a kind of mystic experience. So there is, of course, a bit, a kind of, a bit of a different approach to uh, joy and beauty in the tantric approach. Yeah? But th that's not what we're going here. Yes. Are, are the bodhisattvas free from samsara stuff? Are they free from this uh, samsara? There's different levels of bodhisattvas. Yeah. yeah. They are free of the samsaric mind to different degrees and different subtleties. So, so, so that's uh, it's so different. There are bodhisattvas who don't know that they are bodhisattvas. 
they self don't they don't know they are Buddhists. I feel I feel that there's a lot of people. Yeah, but here. Very helpsome and helps. Yeah, yeah, but most of them practice idiot compassion. Uh, in the sense um, that they are, they act from a dualistic split. Mm-hmm. I, I'm here yeah. as a separate I, yeah. and I do something good to someone else, and that makes me feel good. <coughs> mm-hmm. And then that could be mixed with all kind of neurotic stuff, fear of. Rejection, wanting to be loved. Uh, so, uh, like a bodhisattva uh, from a certain stage on has also a realization of emptiness. So, the bodhisattvas you have around us, we have not seen, but they are there. Are they in this level with emptiness? Sorry, what did you ask? Uh, the Buddhists who are around us, we were calling for them and we are sitting in meditation. What do you mean with the Buddhists around us? Buddhists who are who who are uh, uh, in, in that they are around us. I cannot see them, ah, okay. but I can feel that there is. When I think about mm-hmm. it, and the angel, I, I can feel that there are uh, energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they would, they, they, that would be the same. Uh, so uh, let's now let's assume they are kind of uh, it's beings who live in different dimensions. Why they also can be rather confused. That's why you shouldn't trust just everyone who wants to channel through you, because you know you you can't be sure if if no just because someone has no body does not mean he is wise. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people who like this kind of work they they get they get to they get in contact with uh, confused beings. Uh, power beings, evil beings. Yeah. So, but if you talk about uh, you know, like bodhisattvas, like Tara, for example. Yeah. So there's also different ways to talk about that. You know, Tara is a being. Tara is an aspect of your own mind. Tara is an archetypical symbol. Uh, but if you talk about her as a being. Uh, then, of course, obviously, she has realized emptiness and bodhicitta. She is uh, an art, a Mayana art. Yeah. Okay. So, let's see who comes to... Uh, one last question. Yeah, I was just curious. In the beginning, you said that you're going to speak about the different what the different schools have to say in connection with the emptiness. That will be part of the discussion in the text. Yeah, I just had a question. Yeah. Um, because that's like, in emptiness teachings, that's the only time of, I think I, I, I know I have heard about the different schools. But what else do they talk about? Do they talk about other things also? Then each of the schools is equally uh, diverse and complex, like Buddhism. Mm-hmm. So they have teachings on ethics. They have teachings on 
on compassion. They have teachings on uh, this and that, and yeah. So, so it's like the same. Now we explore the teachings on emptiness within the Buddhist teachings, but we are aware of the whole body around it, and the same is true for the other schools also. And they they have differences. They say different things to in these different topics. Ethics, for example. Yeah. Okay, so let's see who comes back tomorrow. <laughs> If not, uh, I hope you get it somewhere else, because it's our only hope. The, the, the reason for the greed in this planet is on this planet for wars, the reason, the deeper reason for that is that distortion of reality. So if not more people wake up into reality, then, you know, that we can demonstrate forever. The demonstration, that's good. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's good. But if, if not more people address the root cause for greed, which is ignorance, which is distortion of reality, then, uh, then there's no hope. If we just work on the relative level, you know, like kind of fixing things on the relative level, which is important. So if you don't get it here, then please get it somewhere else. It's really important. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So all the merits we uh, share with all the known and unknown bodhisattvas, particularly with our mothers. Yeah? Now I talk about the personal mothers. <laughs> yes.